This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Raider Nation, what is going on? Minicamp is rolling out in Henderson, and we're here to talk about it, here to talk to you on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Yes, we talk Las Vegas Raiders football, and I say we, of course, because I bring in my partner, my broadcast partner, my good friend, that is Mr. Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, back from a little break that he had finally got a couple days to unwind. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at L-V Gully. The show is S-N-B today. First of all, my friend, how do you feel? You get uh, get those batteries a little recharged? It's kind of odd because coming back from a break, especially a week-long break, you're kind of – you have to get back into the flow of everything. Not that I <laughs> – not that I – you know, it's like riding a bicycle. when You know, you know how to ride a bike. You know how to ride a bike forever. Oh, yeah. Here it's just kind of like, especially with the writing portion of things, you have to get back. You have to reestablish your flow. So that I'm still working on. Of course, yesterday I put out a piece on Chase Young. Of course, the Rays weren't on the list of potential trade destinations, but I think it was an important piece because as we go into the dead period of of the NFL, where there are no OTAs, no mandatory minicamp, nothing going on, you're going to start to hear a lot about more trade buzz and more players that could be traded before training camp. So just look out for that. Yeah, absolutely. You got to read most stuff. Uh, please do and make sure you also follow him. I forgot to mention Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. He's got a piece up there once a week as well. So if you follow him on Twitter, trust me, you'll, you'll see all the stuff. It's the easiest thing you can do. The show also retweets that. So either one you're following, you're going to get it there. But Mo, let's jump in because uh, minicamp obviously ends today in Henderson. Started on Tuesday. Um, and we saw Ian Rappaport yesterday talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, that, hey, all those people who were out there ready to uh, say the seven horsemen of the apocalypse was coming because of Jimmy G having surgery and the whole contract thing, the addendum, he uh, is ahead of schedule. And the feeling is there's not a chance he'll miss camp is what Rappaport said. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. What do you make of that? I'll tell you what I think of it in a second. Uh, but what do you make of that, especially in light of a lot of Raider Nation had a lot of angst and heartburn over the fact that, look, number one, we knew he was a injury-prone quarterback to begin with. And number two, the whole thing comes out about the foot we talked about on the show. But now it appears he's on track. Do you believe that? And number two, uh, is it still something that you're concerned about? So I'll start with question two, my concern, and I think I said this before I went on a, a week-long hiatus, that 
you don't reach for the panic button until training camp gets here, which is late July, early August, and he's not on the field and not practicing. I thought that was the, uh, so to speak, the soft deadline for Jimmy Garoppolo's recovery timeline. So I was not, I, my concern was that he's an injury prone quarterback to begin with. <laughs> so uh, I think that was the primary concern. Now you add on this latest, the latest foot injury that he had, had to have surgery after 49 deemed that he didn't have to have surgery. It was kind of like, I'll just wait and see. Wake me up July, late July, early August, and then I'll tell you how I feel about my concern level. But it wasn't high. Uh, it was already just kind of in a default mode because of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. The other thing, what do I think about Ian Rappaport's comment or his report about Jimmy G being ahead of schedule or should be uh, ready for training camp? A lot of these reports, and we talked about this before we went on air, I'm sure it was Josh McDaniels as the team source that told him, <laughs> yeah, he's he's ahead of schedule. He, yeah. We expect him to be back by training camp. So I don't read too much into it um, because it's probably coming directly from the team, which is a message that they've been putting out consistently over the past week or so that, you know, there's nothing to worry about here, nothing to see here. Jimmy G is going to be ready. And that's the message that they want to put out. And they fed that to probably fed it to Ian Rappaport. And yeah. he reported and he did his job. So that's that's what he he did, what he was supposed to do. And the Raiders did what they're going to do and try to put out a positive message to let people know, you know, just calm down. He'll be ready again. Wake me up when it's late July, early August, and then we'll see what goes on if he's on the field and if he's practicing. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that's where we're at with the state of the NFL media is the fact that if you work for the NFL networks, uh, guess what? You get these scoops and they all come from the, Teams themselves, because guess what? That's how they control the information. You don't see a lot of, and I won't say it in general, in general, you see a lot less of the beat reporters in the cities breaking those stories, right? Because they're funneling information through people they trust and people that are uh, on the payroll, if you will. And so uh, I think that's a perfect case of that. Now, not saying it's not true, because it could be true, but I take it with a grain of salt. And to your point, Mo, I think that, listen, it is, again, early June. Uh, we're talking to you here on the 8th of June, listening to this show. Okay, we got a ways to go, folks. And it's going to be a, a boring dead period here coming up, basically, between now and camp starting. So uh, I know on the show here, we'll have some interesting stuff, but it won't be around too much news uh, when it relates to that. But the other thing you're seeing coming out, because we have people on the ground, of course, covering practice, covering this mini camp is the fact that we're starting to see, wow, this player looks great. And this player, and, and listen, you're out there covering it. You have to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking a bone with anybody in, in, in the media, our friends in the media, because we know a lot of those guys and we respect them all, but listen, you can't crown a starter in June. You can't say this kid could really fight for playing time because you don't know they're in a helmet and shorts and so I would tell people, because the Raiders do a great job of sharing a lot of stuff from minicamp. They had their three-hour content day. It was very well done the other day. And, and so we're seeing all this stuff. But remember, this is June. And, Mo, when you look at minicamp, it's great because that means football is a month closer. I love it, okay? But fans got to be careful. Don't get too excited or too disappointed. For example, a player not there, which we're going to get to in the next segment, because uh, OTAs, and minicamp, which we're going through now, are not going to tell you much. Right. I'll say I won't get too excited about the rookie progress reports because, as you said, 
the pads aren't on yet. They're running around in, you know, shorts and t-shirts. Nothing really, <laughs> nothing is really, you know, no in-depth game planning is going on yet. But what I will say is that I'm reading a lot of reports that Ja'Cory Ja'Cory Bennett has taken reps with the starters. So that is something yeah. that a rookie is getting some turn with with the first stringers and not just, you know, starting off as a as a third stringer and that's where he's going to stay. Uh, I said it on a previous show that the cornerback position is going to be a lot of competition there. Duke Shelley, mm-hmm. David Long Jr., Jacorian Bennett. Of course, Nate Hobbs is the number one guy right now, but that cornerback room is going to be very competitive come this summer. So that's something to watch out for. What, one thing I will note, though, that is important at these spring workouts, mandatory minicamp OTAs. Did you see Devon Diablo at the podium recently? Yes, sir. He bulked up. I believe he went from 225 to 238 and they told him that he was a little too big so he dropped down to 234 this may be why the Raiders weren't aggressive with their acquisition of a linebacker maybe they really believe in Devon Diablo taking an, another step in his third year and it seems like he wore he, he did wore the, wear the green dot at practices it doesn't mean he will wear it during the season but it's an indication that he's going to have a big role now I would still because our guy Dan South I believe a, a Raider fan Raider Loke on Twitter said hey you know, maybe we don't need Patrick Queen. We got the Divine Diablo. And to, to mm. Dan, I will say, look, while the Divine Diablo may have a breakout year, you still want to have another cornerback and another linebacker in there who can cover because, again, Robert Spillane is a two-down linebacker. And if Divine Diablo doesn't take the step that you think he's going to take, what's your plan B? So mm-hmm. I'm still on the Patrick Queen wagon. I'm still yelling acquire Patrick Queen, inquire about him to see what he's available for. Because to me, the Raiders just don't have enough talent, even if Devon Diablo is pretty good at the position, to just ignore some acquisitions that can improve that position on the field. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we talked about it on on Tuesday's show with Murph uh, slotting in for you when you were in Dubai with your harem. And um, shout out to Murph, did a great job. Saw the clips. <laughs> and uh, you know, the one thing we talked about was the Raiders on that content day. Dave Ziegler, and you also have seen it from Josh McDaniels here in the press conferences through minicamp, which is something that we didn't necessarily take at face value last year, Mo, on the offensive line, and that is. It appears to me, and from what they said, and to your point about Divine Diablo, they like what they have. So, so the thinking in the building, even though we look at it from the outside and say they have no linebackers, they might look and say, no, we're going to roll with these guys like they did with the offensive line. Now, it was rocky start for the offensive line last year, but they sure did bring it together as the season went on and got a lot better. So that might be the thing. They might say, look, we're, we're, we're sticking with what we got now. I still think there's too many holes on that defense and they have to address them, but you're right. Competitive cornerback room. You have some safety uh, competition going on there as well. So these guys might be just say, Hey, we're rolling with what we have. And so to your point, you can always try to get better. So if a Patrick queen is available and they have a swing at him, you got to hope that they do that, but they may just roll into the season, adding maybe some bodies here and there, depending on what happens in camp and go with what they have Mo, the hand that they've been dealt. 
here's what I would say if Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff told me, look, we're we're gonna roll with the linebacker group just like we roll with our offensive line group last year. Here's my pushback to that. Josh McDaniels has established himself as a pretty decent offensive uh, play caller, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people don't like Josh McDaniels, but let's be honest. I know he had Tom Brady, but he had the Matt Castle year, and he's had some years where, look, if you look at last year with the Raiders offense, was it a bad offense? No, they did not take you know advantage of some opportunities that it had. Even with Derek Carr's worst year statistically, one of his worst years, Devontae Adams still put up numbers, and that offense was still, I believe, top 11, top 12 in, in scoring in yards and or yards. So with him as a play caller, he's known for putting together a pretty good run game. A lot of people want to focus on the pass, but in New England, he had a pretty good ground attacks in New England with different running backs. So his offensive lines have been pretty good. So I believe it was Phil Robinson came on our show last week, and he said Carmen Brasillo, one of the best pickups the Raiders have had, Carmen Brasillo mm-hmm. is the offensive line coach, did a fantastic job. He and Josh McDaniels had some synergy. And I talked about this before. Patrick Graham doesn't have that same benefit of the doubt. Patrick Graham still right. has to establish himself because he doesn't have a track record as a D coordinator. So it worked with the offensive line with an experienced offensive play caller and Josh McDaniels and Carmen Brasillo has worked with him before. But how can we say it's going to work with, on the other side of the ball with Patrick Graham who's still trying to establish himself as a, as a quality defensive coordinator? Because we don't even know. There are a lot of fans calling for Patrick Graham to be fired last year. So yeah. I'm just saying, let's wait and see approach with him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it, it'll be interesting, man. I mean, it's it's it, it, we got a long way to go. Once we get to camp, we get to really dive in and start to uh, think about how this team's going to come together, meld together, what holes they will have. Undoubtedly, people get banged up. There's injuries as well in camp. You got to hope that doesn't happen to anybody, but it usually does, uh, whether it's minor or major. So we'll have to see how it rolls out. Okay, Mo and I are going to take a break when we come back here on Silver and Black today. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs still has not signed his tender, his uh, his um, tag, his franchise tag tender. So he is not in camp. He's not holding out of minicamp. Yes, it's mandatory, but he has no contract at this point, so he cannot go. We'll talk more about that, what it means, and ask you, should you be worried about this? Uh-oh. We'll have the answer to that question when we come back here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. 